Okay, we're all going to take Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. A good, bad, and ugly Monday on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. And as we said to start the show, both Rod and I, many of you creatures of habit, we like things that are kind of locks, kind of solid gold. And now each Monday, I think we've come to know that the Cowboys are going to go ahead and humiliate really bad teams. Mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud's going to be cool and calm and do something uh, we've never seen a rookie do. Yep. Aaron Rodgers is going to find a way to insert himself into the conversation. He likes the limelight. Uh, Sunday night football game no one wanted to watch, but he became a headline. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey will, too. By the way, did you see that, Rod, over the weekend? Uh, Ty and all the, uh, the propagandists. Tell the Conspiracy theory. If mm-hmm. you didn't see, in Argentina, Taylor Swift doing a concert for the Argentinian Taylor Swifties and uh, changed a lyric of a song of hers called Karma to include the Chiefs tight end who had oh. flown in to see her, Rob. Oh, yeah, he's uh, hanging out. flown in to see her. about weeks. He was hanging out with his, uh, his, his boo His thing. boo, yeah. He flew mm-hmm. from Germany to Argentina to see T-Swizzle perform. Oh, yeah, she ran off the stage and gave him. him a hug. Yes. So she, she sprinted. Like she, was, she was walking, she was waving, and then she saw a man, and she sprinted over to him and jumped, her, and jumped he on him. had a bad-looking shirt on, but oh. she still jumped into his arms, and uh, that's mm-hmm. not, there's no marketing. Hey. Have, y'all, have, have y'all seen the video of uh, Jason Kelsey and Andrew Whitworth in, like, a local Did, place in Philadelphia? Uh, oh, I'll have to send it to uh, you. It's no. Basically, the, the, the workers, uh, you know, they're just local Philadelphia people, and they're like, yeah, you need to stop, stop going to games, or, like, NBA games and concerts and, and start playing. It's pretty funny. I'll, I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> and then also, Andrew, solid nice. gold locks. Also, solid okay. gold locks. James Franklin and Penn State will underwhelm in a big spot. Um, hey, man, I told y'all that weeks ago. So USC don't will, trust him in a big game. USC will play no defense. Primetime unders will keep to hitting. Maybe just love our primetime unders, Rod. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, of course, the Longhorns will win a football game that's a hell of a lot closer than uh, <laughs> probably needed to be, but that's who they are. But I they're going to win it. I told y'all this two or three weeks ago, and y'all need to just start listening to me. They're not going to change. Quit <laughs> actually. Quit. 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 Basically, hoping and praying that this team is going to evolve into something different. When we have what two games left now in the season? Yeah. They are what they are, guys, and this is it. It's okay that they are nine and one, and they're flawed in a lot of different ways. That's all right. Usually, when you're this flawed. You don't make it to nine and one. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, just, that, that's grit. That's culture. That's yeah, leadership. That's making big. You're going to have more joy out of this experience if you just accept them for the product that they are and for the team that they are, and quit hoping and praying that they're going to be something that they are not. That they have not even yet proven to be. They have not proven to be a four-quarter team. Why would they become a four-quarter well, team look, all of a sudden overnight? Yeah, and look, they still could take a loss here in one of these last two games. That's just the yeah, way they are. They're living they on a razor's edge, uh, and they're going to they're gonna explode at some point in the game to look like they're in total control, and then it's going to evaporate. That's just their – as you say, we have evidence that that is this team right now, and that's okay. I mean, uh, look, well, how did we go into this season? Can this be the best and uh, most talented team since 0809? Yeah. And they're, they're living up to that building because they're 9-1 and one, and they're playing in the top 10 in the country in November. Mm. Are they 2005 Texas? No. <laughs> who won, won all, who scored 50 points in every game and blew everybody out? No. no one, but if you expected that, then that's on you. Yeah. 
This team is not that. Uh, they may get there as a program down the road, but right now they're not that. They won't be that this season. No. Not it's happen. not going to happen this year. <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, and now with Jonathan Brooks out, they're going to scratch and claw to try to win a Big 12 championship at this point. That becomes what they are. But it is fun. And at yeah. least you can rely on it that they're going to find a way to win the game. Uh, unlike last year where they seemed to find the way to lose the game. And yeah. I think that goes with something Sark has talked about a lot, the versatility of this team, the culture of this team, the, uh, mm. the leadership of this team. Who wants to step up and make a play? And it wasn't lost on that locker room after the win, Rod, that they, they rallied around the fact that last week it was the defense that, that, bailed every, that, that secured the victory with four downs from the three-yard line against K-State or five-yard line. This year, this week, when the defense was struggling with that uh, Josh Hoover you know, got hot in TCU's offense, it was the offense that needed to make a play uh, to get a first down, to, to take a knee, and genuflecting it out of there, and it did. So those are the kind of things that uh, uh, championship runs are about. This team is a lot closer to last year's TCU team <laughs> uh, that, that had all those close wins on their way to the, to the Big 12 title game than, you know, 05 Texas. Uh, they're, they're, but it's fun, right? As you said, you're a Longhorn alum. You're a lifetime Longhorn. It's and find joy in it. Yeah, I just think While it's losing your well, Longhorn fans are just well, your blood pressure rises. Yeah, I think Longhorn fans that Bama game really it distorted y'all's expectations of this team. Remember, most of y'all had this team at ten and two anyway, or some of y'all even had them at nine and three, and we expected them to be flawed. We expected there to be you know holes in the roster. We expected uh, them to make mistakes. And they've actually exceeded most people's expectations. It started with the Bama game, and that's when every Longhorn fan changed their expectations right, uh, at the beginning of the season. And now that's why you guys are not finding joy in this product because you're thinking, uh, what happened to that team in, in the Bama game? And you're supposed to get better every week. Well, if they're getting better every week from the, the game that was played, the Alabama game, then this team is supposed to be one of the best teams in the country, and they're not. Well, yeah, but that's if they got better week to week. They're not getting better week to week. They're finding ways to win week, week to week. week. Yeah. All right, that's, that, that's a difference. By the way, I think there are like two or three teams in the country that are complete teams that are getting better week to week. It's, it's really tough to do, all right? That's the challenge for the coaches and challenge for a team. So I just think your expectations are, are affecting your, jo- your joy, all right? Your expectations are affecting your ability to, to, to get joy out of this experience for the Longhorns. They're, they're good. They're clutch in critical moments. They're flawed, um, and they're, they're imperfect, and they're not a complete team. It's okay to accept all those things, but still – enjoy the fact that they're able to win these games in clutch moments. And I think that's what Longhorn fans need to – they need to resolve that, that issue because they're still thinking, man, this team, if they play like they played versus Bama, the truth is, guys, they prepared for that Bama game for months, months, mentally, physically, spiritually, tactically, strategically, everything. And that's why you got that performance. But football ain't a game you got months to prepare for. It's a week-to-week situation all right it's a week-to-week proposition and you got to solve the problems week to week whether it be injuries whether it be game planning whatever it is and this team is doing a better job of solving those between guys last year they were outscored in the fourth quarter in overtime combined yep and now they've outscored their opponents in the fourth quarter by like 40 points now in the last two weeks that had been the case but they found ways to win last season they were two and five in one score games now they got one sorry, they've only lost one one score game this season they're nine and one so i just think Longhorn fans have to understand the the trajectory of this team, right? And then if you accept the frailty, right, and the and the weaknesses of this team, and accept them for who they are and not who you want them to be, you'll enjoy the experience a whole lot more. Agreed. Uh, I think that is true. 
Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook Em Up rolls on. Minor technical glitch, but we are good to go all the way to 11 o'clock. That means uh, at 8.30, just before 8.30, we're at the turn. At the turn, brought to you by Callahan's General Store, right there on uh, 183, coming down from the airport. Get on down there. It is a uh, tradition, 45 years in Austin, Texas, with Callahan's General Store. If you want to get your, your yard golf course ready for the golf season, do it at Callahan's General Store. It's always important, as we tell you, in the winter times, winter months, to start to uh, do the fall placements and plantings and then the uh, winterizing. All that can be done because uh, we had a blistering hot summer. Your yard and your lawn were brutalized by that uh make sure you're getting over to callahan see my man charlie and his team there to help you get your yard ready for the fall into the winter and then back into the spring season by season at callahan's general store the turn of course if you play golf if you're out nine you're nine home that's where we are we're at the turn of our five-hour conversation on this monday morning it's a good bad and ugly monday talking longhorns whole surviving once again but that has become the dna of this team it's what they are uh, still sitting at number seven in the country. Also, Cowboys flattened the Giants in a big way. Over 600 offensive yards for the Cowboys yesterday in the big win over the, uh, uh, the New York Giants. Texans, how about Joe Burrow, excuse me, uh, C.J. Stroud uh, going head-to-head mm-hmm. with Joe Burrow in his house, Rod. Yep. His house. And Joe Burrow, uh, Texans defense did a great job against him for most of the ball game, but he got hot late. Brought them back from 10 down in the final four minutes to tie the game at 27. But C.J. Stroud, cool, calm, and uh, collected as usual. Took Houston right back down the field, and they uh, kicked a field goal with uh, the, the the XFL kicker Amendola. Had to get a new kicker. Had to get a new kicker. Remember last week, the kicker got hurt. They still were able to win the game with the backup kicker. Backup kicker. Well, not a backup kicker. It was actually their emergency kicker. Emer- yeah, the, the, the running back. Ungbawale. Ungbawale. Ungbawale, yeah. Made some kicks and did some work. and. Yeah, so we're back up and running. Apologize for a quick glitch there, but uh, we're ready to roll. For the top of the hour, Rod, we'll get uh, the uh, the off-the-record conversations, which include the Toy Hall of Fame. Is that finally added something that should have been there long ago, my friend? The to- long- where's, where's the Toy Hall of Fame? I'll let you know coming up off the record. I got it all locked in. Interesting. Also, uh, visit that place one day. Yeah, yeah man. Awesome. That would be awesome with, yeah, your, right. your, with young Monroe when she right? gets older. Yeah, you can go check that out. Uh, but, yes, as we roll forward here on this busy Monday, Longhorns. We go behind the burn orange curtain as well. We did a little of that before our, we had to you – know, that was a recording from our 6 o'clock hour. We are trying to get things reestablished here at the home headquarters in Onion Creek, Texas, and we're back up and running. But uh, So off the record coming up, behind the burn orange curtain, talking the good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. Jimbo Fisher is out at Texas A&M. They only owe him $78 million, Rod, but actually they owe him about $15.2 million in the next 30 days. Yeah. That's honestly, considering where the program is, the state of the program, um, it, w- it wasn't getting better, and there was no reason to think that the Aggies were somehow going to turn it around under Jimbo. Uh, they had become stale and stagnant as a program. And on the horizon, you know, you got Texas coming into the SEC, and Texas with their program ascending probably at the, I don't know, probably at the highest uh, point that the Texas program has been since 2009. Uh, they couldn't afford for all the recruiting momentum to be snatched up by Texas and come into the SEC first year of that rivalry being rekindled and start bludgeoning the Aggies. Um, the Aggies were at a really low point. I supported the move, and I said uh, last week, money was not going to be the issue here. The Aggies got plenty of money. It was going to be timing, and once yeah. you come to the conclusion and they didn't that... care about timing anymore either. They just got him out of there. That timing was terrible. Right, he's got him. Right. Is that, what, what they, did they just win? 
Yeah, well, I who think, gets fired after a win? Well, because <laughs> well, because they're nine and thirteen. Yeah, uh, so my, my point is, it, it wasn't about timing. They didn't try to wait on timing. They're like, you know what? Screw the timing. He needs to go now. He well, needs to go now. I, well, the timing is this. This you know, last Thursday, the Board of Regents meet once a month. So you got the Regents together mm-hmm. last Thursday. Unless you call an emergency session, the Board of Regents get together once a month. This was their monthly meeting, and that's where the decision was made. So the timing was now, win or lose. On, if you lose to Mississippi State on Saturday, good Lord. Uh, but they, they won that game. But the timing is to get ahead of recruiting, to get somebody in place within the next 30 days when you've got to give Jimbo Fisher 15.2 mil to me. Uh, and have that coach be able to start to build a staff and hit the ground running uh, ahead of the early signing window, which is December the 20th, Rod. Uh, and this team's not going to be a bowl. Well, maybe they'll be in a bowl game, right? I mean, they, yeah, they're going to coach a bowl game. game. Yeah, yeah, make a bowl game. Uh, so, you know, e- you know, the interim coach will handle those duties moving forward. But to your point on recruiting, uh, you know, just, I mean, this wasn't an A&M situation, but we know in the recent – 12 months, we've seen Anthony Hill Jr. decommit from A&M and commit to Texas. Colin Johnson was down to Texas and Texas A&M, the Duncanville defensive end. I mean, these things were starting to turn Texas's way. Plus, Texas is 9-1, sitting number seven. You're going to play them next year. Just last night, there was a four-star corner out of Marrero, Louisiana. Um, Wardell Mack. Wardell Mack, who committed to Texas. He had been committed to Florida. So, yeah, if you're Texas A&M, you've got you to get the right coach in place who's going to handle all of these, put out all these fires, right? Because right now Jimbo Fisher is not. It was just as Ross Bjork said yesterday in the news conference. It was it's in neutral. It's yeah. not going anywhere. Exactly. Uh, it's not growing. If you're, um, and if you're not if you're not getting better, it's getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> and then Texas looks to be getting better. Uh, and oh. Oklahoma, after a miserable year, you know, first year for Brett Venables, at least better this year. Yes. And, uh, they're recruiting well. So yeah, I mean this is this is critical mass for them. And Jimbo Fisher has been given six almost six full seasons to get it going in a positive direction there were signs early but obviously the last three years they haven't won a conference road game in two seasons run that's that's more than, abysmal yes. come on man there's no excuse for one of the more talent most talented teams in the country to have a record like a road record like that in conference play so I, I'm, it just showed you that Jimbo and I, I supported the move initially for the Aggies thought it was a great great high grand slam hire for them initially the extension um and the robust extension they gave him, which I don't know if it was them trying to – it was a measuring contest by them. They wanted to show how much money they have. I don't know why they wanted to make it rain that much uh, with Jimbo well, Fisher. Well, well, but they did, not need, they did not need that extension to be as like I said, as r- ridiculous as it was. Well, remember, uh, you know, if you're looking for what put kerosene on the fire and it's what a good agent does, a good agent uh, seizes an opportunity, Rod. Yeah. And the opportunity was there because, remember, after, after the COVID year, they went 9-1 and one in the COVID year. It looked good. And things were looking. They beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the big Alabama win uh, down at College Station. And so there was some momentum. And, you know, the, the connection was Scott Woodward. Scott Woodward's the AD at LSU. LSU was looking to replace Ed Orgeron. Yep. And everyone knew that LSU was going to try to make a big splash higher. And the, the connection was, well, maybe Scott Woodward can try to bring Jimbo Fisher to, to the bayou. And we, you know, whether that was ever true or not, Jimbo Fisher had to deflect those rumors, and that's what led to his agent being able to get behind the scenes and say, "Hey, better lock my guy up. Better lock my guy up. Uh, whether that's true or not, uh, you better lock him up." And that's what led to the extension, which has led to now what's going to be eight years of payments to Jimbo Fisher. But, that, but, but yeah, give an extension, but did it have to be no. an extension with a seventy-something million dollar buyout with a buyout that is the 
biggest buyout in college football history. Maybe that's just bad negotiation yeah, on you, your part. Well, essentially, right? but Come you, on, man. you call it a buyout, but essentially what it is is a guaranteed contract. Yeah. Like every nickel's guaranteed. So, you know, they're going to pay him by, by the letter of this contract. They're going to give him 20% in the next, I think it's 30 to 45 days. He's owed that. So that's 15.2 mil. From that point, they owe him payments the rest of the way. I mean, this becomes yeah. like a baseball contract. And then he got to pay off the staff. Yeah, oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. He, that's just his money we're talking oh, about. This could be his, his coordinators get paid. All the other coaches, they get paid too on the way out. This could be a $150 million proposition for them by the time you hire the, the yep. coach you want. Yep. Uh, someone said it uh, uh, had to do more with Jimbo's firing. What had, to, what had to do more with Jimbo's firing? Aggie's lack of success or Longhorn success? I think it's a combination it's both. of both. It's a little bit of both. Yeah, because yeah. if, if they could get to 8-4 and four this year. It's a bit of both. You might have held on to him at yeah. the same time. I also think this with, with him, there's also he's, – he's, he's burned some bridges in his own front office, right, essentially. I do think the, the, the front office, meaning the people that run the program, is athletic director, administration, yeah. and the boosters. Yeah. Uh, the 12th Man Foundation. There is the argument that last offseason he went a little John McAvickian uh, when they all – everyone was united around the idea of bringing in a fresh, young offensive mind, offensive coordinator – Jimbo, because that was the kind of the, the public sentiment. Hey, we're doing great, Jimbo. You're recruiting at a high level. You're, yeah. you're bringing in the best players. We just need a fresher offense, Your a fresh approach to offense. Yeah. Uh, and we, we, you know, DJ Durkin's come in to run our defense. We need someone to run our offense. And he, he got his, he got his, he got his, uh, you know, yeah, he shoulders got up. He got offended by it. He thought he, he took it personal. He, he took it personal. Well, and he's got a guaranteed contract that can allow him to do that. Yeah. And he ended up kind of dragging his feet on that deal. Mm-hmm. They may, maybe interviewed Garrett Riley from TCU, who ended up at Clemson. Uh, and in the end, it kind of poked him in the eye by hiring Bobby Vitrino. Yeah, he did. Which, you know, that's an old friend of his. And Yeah, that's not the young bra- – it's not the young up-and-coming offensive mind they thought about. <laughs> it was Bobby Petrino. <laughs> uh, the, and the poke in the eye, this was when John McAvick well, – it was before you got here to Texas. But John McAvick had a team that had won the Big 12 championship game, the first one, Rod, mm-hmm. when they upset Nebraska. And the same kind of conversation went on between – the administration and boosters. Okay, Makovic, you've got good players. We've got Ricky Williams. Yeah. Let's go get the best young defense. defensive coordinator yeah, in the country. Yeah, yeah, defense of mine. And Makovic poked him in the eye and said, I'm going to re- promote Gary Darnell. I mean, they mm-hmm. essentially gave him an open checkbook to hire anybody that they wanted. Yeah. And come next year, they came out and they lost uh, to UCLA in the Route 66 game. And at that point, it was over for Makovic. Yeah. You just won the Big 12 championship. Doesn't matter. Uh, you could argue this year for Bobby Trino, for Jimbo Fisher was the same when the offense wasn't any better. Uh, they, they they lost four games already by before Thanksgiving, mm. and it was okay. Uh, we you know you poke us in the eye, but we'll buy you out seventy eight million dollars worth. Yeah, no, it uh, it it oft, it all com- it often comes before the fall, but pride, ego, yeah, hubris. Um, you can start to see it uh, with with Jimbo, late. and I don't know why he had it. He was obviously won a, ch- a, a championship in his career, but not there at, in 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 Aggieland. Uh, and yet he still had a lot of uh, hubris, a lot of arrogance in the decisions that he was making. And I think it came back to haunt him. But he still he's gonna get paid. So. He's got eighty million dollars <laughs> coming his way. He, yeah. he, gonna, he got his ranch now in College Station or outside East Texas. There. He could go away and never you'll never hear from Jimbo again. He'd be perfectly happy, buy some island somewhere or whatever. Yeah, that'd be good. So that'd be good. His agent and him though, man. They, I'd invite that guy for Christmas and all my family get-togethers, family reunion, that agent. Who, what's his agent? Who, who's his? I think it's Trace Armstrong, I oh, think. I'll, he's I'll, coming. I'll look. I'll, I'll find hey, that out. That guy's family. Uh, <laughs> well, Trace Armstrong was Tom Herman's agent. I don't oh, know okay. if it's the same. Yeah. But I would also say, to your point about the buyout, his buyout, the guaranteed contract essentially, 
is double that of Kirby Smart and Nick Saban's combined. Yeah, like why? <laughs> what are you doing? So I, I want to know who. It's the, who, it's the AD who? before Josh, Rosh Burke, I believe. Oh, so. man, dude, that was such a bad deal. It's like, well, it's like when uh, you compare it to a different sport, when uh, uh, Tom Hicks, the Rangers owner, gave A-Rod the guaranteed contract, and he was bidding against no one. That was the whole thing. You're, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? <laughs> you're negotiating with yourself, man. Yeah. All right? And, and you're you driving argue, up the price. And you could argue that uh, the Aggies were too. Uh, but the agent played it that maybe LSU was sniffing around. And obviously LSU they did land. I'm sure they were sniffing around, but, man. Well, LSU they gotta, went after Lincoln Riley, and they did land Brian Kelly. They got um, a big fish. Yeah, a big fish for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. It says, uh, report in Aggieland is Jimbo will be paid $19.2 million by January. Yeah, that's the 20%. But that's the, the, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be fifty it's gonna be what he's already been paid this year. Good for you, Jimbo. Plus the twenty percent of the rest of the contract, and then the payments come. Laughing all the way to the bank. to the bank. Uh, now they need to find a new coach. Let's go uh, behind the burn orange curtain with Rod. Texas football twenty nine twenty six final up twenty six to six, and then hold on for the three point victory. We'll go off the record before the top of the hour as well as we're getting you through a Monday at the turn. Uh, and there you go. All, by and they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton is invited to a lot of people's family get-togethers and Christmases because he's made a lot of coaches a whole lot of money. Um, Okay, let's get to uh, Texas football. Speaking of making a lot of money, I want to have this uh, debate really quickly, a conversation. I don't know if we'll get into a debate about it. Um, Quinn Ewers dealing with an injury now. Uh, we don't know the severity of it. Don't know how much pain he's dealing with, pain tolerance levels. It looked like it might have been a factor in the way to start calling the game uh, versus TCU, at least in the second half of that game. But if we're going to have a macro conversation really quickly about uh, Quinn, I thought the, the, the thought process was, or at least the prediction was for Quinn, he would definitely go to the NFL after this season. With the injury now, and the draft stock, it's not plummeting, but it's definitely dropping. Is it a guarantee that Quinn leaves now? Because remember, that was it. No. It was all, yeah, it's not, right? No. It, it was at well, one I, point, I mean, but it's I, not anymore. Yeah, what well, I think the, the guarantee is that I think his, his family, and he had eyes on going. And they hoped to be able they to They want to fast-track him. They, yes. He's been fast-tracked. Well, that's why he reclassified and did the Ohio State thing year one and he, to get into the, to be able to be in this draft class. And then, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fascinating offseason. I mean, I think Longhorn fans need to just enjoy these last few games enjoy and wherever it, it goes. Yeah. <laughs> because it'll be a stressful offseason. Yeah, the offseason is going to be <laughs> stressful. I mean, and it's one of those things. It's, it's a real heavy draft class. I mean, we know that, right? Ten, potentially 10, ten guys will get drafted. You might, have, you might set a record. You'd rather come era. out when it's a light quarterback class? Yeah. Uh, there's also, you know, are you guaranteed the starting job back at Texas? Are you going to be competing with Arch Manning for the starting job here? There's also the idea that, you, what, I mean, look, Texas fans, this is why I say enjoy this run, Rod, because they're going to lose a lot of people this offseason. I yes, mean, what, what's, we're talking about this team kind of comparing to TCU lose, last year. Multiple D-tackles you're going to lose. You're going to lose three to four receivers in the receiving room. You're going to lose your tight end. You're going to lose your yeah, middle linebacker. Right tackle's gone probably. I mean, you're going to lose a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're going to lose a lot of yeah. – uh, I mean, we were, to me, I'm, I'm paralleling this team to the TCU team of a year ago that with a lot of leadership and, a, you know, a lot of character, you know, good talent, found a way to win a lot of close football games. And this is what this Texas team is doing. TCU did the same thing. A lot of the TCU comebacks, they were all comebacks. They had to, unlike Texas, getting up 20 points and then holding on. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU last year with Max Duggan would, hold, would, would rally for these big wins. 
And what do you know? They found themselves undefeated in the Big 12 title game. Texas is trying to replicate that. But, you know, TCU, look, this is still year three for Sark. And he, the, the credit to him, Rod, and behind the burn orange curtain, is he's doing this with a, with a lot of young players that he's recruited in his staff mm-hmm. and then a lot of holdovers from the previous staff that have bought in. Right? He talks about that all the time. He's so happy for a Christian Jones who's playing right tackle and has played his way into being an NFL player. Um, but he's, he was here when it was really bad. Uh, he's been here six years now. But point of that is, much like TC, you're going to lose a lot of that leadership. Now, I think Texas has built with their own recruits because Sonny Dykes was just in year one, right? So he was, you know, you're trying to patchwork it with, with, with portal players. Longhorns will be active in the portal, but I think your question is fair. The reason I say they're going to lose a lot of people, if you're Quinn Ewers and you, you're making that decision – do you go, but what are you coming back to? Are you coming back to a team that might not be as good as this one or probably won't be as good as this one as it you move into the SEC? Be as good as this one, no. I mean, the receiving core that I throw to, that's it, not going to be here. Well, just the D-tackles alone, you're going to lose Sweat and Murphy. I mean, that's the best D-tackle duo in the And Jalen Ford, most likely. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, Jet, you're going to lose the core of your defense, the heart and soul. And then the, 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 the two yeah. biggest components of your team are the receiving core and the D-tackles. Just, yeah. Those guys are going to be gonna, gone. And JT Sanders is probably the other kind of third and, component there, and he's going to be gone too. And now Jonathan Brooks is questionable to yeah. be able to play next year, right? He's November injury. By midseason next year maybe, he can come back and help you play. So my point is that if you're, if you're Quinn, it was understood that he was going to leave. Everybody thought that was going to be the case. Now everybody I'd ask who is considered an insider is saying they're not sure and that if he drops to the second round potentially, and that's right now where he's projected, that his family – they projected him and all these fat, this fast track plan is all about him being a first round player. Yeah, and if they may decide, no, nah, no, nah, we want to come back because you talk about the loaded quarterback class may come back for that twenty twenty five, sorry, twenty twenty five draft, and that's twenty twenty five draft. It definitely won't be as you know loaded with quarterbacks as this draft. Yeah, it's fair upcoming. point. There's no way it will be. Well, and we also at our pregame show on Saturday we talked about uh, Archie Manning, Arch's Arch Manning's grandfather, yeah, telling exactly Sports Illustrated that. You know, he, he was comparing, you know, different tracks. And he said Peyton started early, and it was good for him. He was on a really good team. Our, you know, Eli redshirted and then actually was, you know, sat behind a quarterback as a, as in his second year and said that, you know, the, he pretty much said that Arch is happy, likes being in Austin, and he's on a, he's on a track that, that is fine. So, but again, that, that quarterback room, you know, would it be Quinn? Would, I think most people assume that when the season's over, yeah. Malik Murphy's going to transfer maybe back to the West Coast. And, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks to replace on that West Coast. Part of this loaded recruiting quarterback class is these Pac-12 quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, um, Malik is from California. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a lot of quarterback, you know, teams looking for quarterbacks in California Agreed. when this season is over. So, you know, again, it'll all play out. But I think it's a very great question. And, I, I you know, I, I would have told you at the beginning of the year, I really think. I think everybody would have been like, oh, he's gone. Again. He gone. Uh, and then off the start he got off to. Especially that Alabama game mm-hmm. that okay he's trending well and and this becomes the thing I'll be eager to hear Sark today with his comments at his Monday news conference is what is the injury is it, did he reaggravate it or was or as you said you played through injury sometimes it just tightens up during it just the game weakens gets weak yeah you know, and, signs and, strong and, and he's yeah. still rehabbing and he still be healthier this week than he was last week but it was just he made a lot of long throws. Um, maybe re-aggravated a little bit, but, you know, that, that happens with an injury. And, you know, if he can come back and put up two more good games here and get Texas into the Big 12 title game, play well there, and whether they make the 14 playoff or not, they're going to play in a New Year's Bowl game yeah, at that point. Can he play well if he's injured? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah, that's can, right. he, can he play well? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm eager to hear Sark. Yeah, if he's injured, then that's not going to help his draft stock. Well, if he can play to the level he played in the first half and the third part of the third quarter on Saturday, he's playing well enough. He is, yeah, but he missed some throws there early too. Yeah, <laughs> I thought Rust early, 
But then once he got locked in, I thought he made some real good throws. But, yeah, I mean, it's a a coin flip at this point, what he's going to do. I still think there's a a strong chance because of – you know, this the desire to go and mm-hmm. begin that next phase of his life that he would. But at the same time, yeah, there's there's every bit of, of argument that he should stick and stay uh, and come back in when the draft class is lighter. I think it's a it's a it's it, it's it's a conversation all Longhorn fans are going to be having because last offseason, you know, you know this, this thing has built. This is, again, credit to Sark. You've got this thing to where you're nine and one. You're you may achieve your goal of playing for a, for a Big 12 championship. And then at that point, it's, it's going to be about roster management this offseason, uh, adding what looks to be another great recruiting class, right? Wardell Mack, the latest, to mm-hmm. number 19 or 20 in this recruiting class that, that includes Colin Simmons. And Because uh, I'm not sitting here saying there's not going to be talent at Texas next year. You're just going to lose that leader, that senior-heavy well, veteran pro- talent. It's not proven talent. Right. It's, it's, it's unproven talent. But, yeah, I'm with you. There's tons of talent. You've been crying it, but – this will test, once again, the development of this staff. They develop really well. These guys have gotten better. The guys they inherited from Tom Herman's staff, they've gotten a lot better, and these guys have turned into NFL-caliber players. Now can you develop those, those younger guys on the roster into being you know, similar, yeah. uh, high-level well, players? Well, yeah, because if you're – let's just say Quinn Ewers says, I'm coming back, I'm going to lead the way. Well, now you're throwing to – Jonte Cook. Jonte Cook and DeAndre, DeAndre Moore. Moore and, and Will know Isaiah Nayor and what's happening there. Isaiah Nayor, yeah, yeah those kind of things. Kind of stuff, yeah. Handed it to C.J. Baxter, who's a year in the weight room, and all of a sudden he's a second-year running back. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's talent in, on the team. The offensive line would lose Christian Jones but might bring everybody else back. They I mean, do. That would be good Yeah. Uh, if, if everybody stays. So, yes, there would be talent. a strong running game. You would hope uh, you know, only losing one starter on your own line would, would give you confidence. Um, but uh, and here's here's a text that says, guys, is he real? You you guys watch the games? He really looked like a first round draft pick at quarterback. Well, you don't have to. Anthony Richardson didn't look on either. No. And then the NFL decided, you know what? Upside, upside, upside. Well, and so, and, and neither you know. did, neither did Will Levis at Kentucky mm-hmm. last year, and he ended up sliding into the second round, but he was projected to go yeah, in the, the first. first round, yeah. So it, you know, the NFL is not going to draft you just for now. They're drafting you for the long haul, and he does have some uncoachables that. You know, the arm strength and the arm talent to be able to spin the football, all those things. But in this draft class where you've got more Penix proven and players. Caleb Williams and Drake May and, oh, man, head loaded. Yeah. <laughs> got, yeah, they got – it's about four or five quarterbacks that are getting first-round grades already. So they're talking about this being historic. And I can, think, I can see that driving down the draft grade of Quinn. Not that he's, like, played so bad that his, his stock has dropped – it's more about the quarterbacks that Supply are supply and demand, right? Yeah, the quarterbacks that are great ahead of him are just so much better. Yeah, and, really and they have good. so much more tape and more proven yeah. and yeah. Uh, experience, that's all, all those things. Yeah, and then that's that's supply and demand. I mean, yeah. you want to come out when there's not a lot of supply and a high demand. Uh, this him. year, there's a lot of supply. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I'm with you on that. So I, just, I thought it was a good conversation. I know a lot of Longhorn fans are having it. And it's a realistic one. And now, and honestly, a, a sad conversation is that Jonathan Brooks, we were earlier this season talking about him having to make that decision with the value of the running back and the running back market. Now he was going to have to leave because he was going to be the first running back drafted off the board. And now um, he's definitely coming back next year. I mean, there's some people thinking, is he going to leave? Oh no, he's, he's coming back as a running back. If he left after this injury, he'd be lucky to be a late round pick yeah. with the way they value running backs these days. It's just the truth. Yeah, it's, hate, unfo- it's sad and unfortunate. hate that for him, man. It's horrible. Hate it for him, but, um, you know, now the Longhorns have to pick it up with C.J. Baxter and Keelan Robinson, possibly Jaden Blue, and uh, moving into the Iowa State game. Obviously, we'll hear from Sark today on the very latest on all of these injuries and these conversations, 11 o'clock this morning. All right, Bob, good stuff. Behind the burnt orange curtain, uh, since we did have the quick uh, malfunction, can we go straight to off the record, Ron? Let's do it. Let's go straight to off the record. 
Off the Record on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B is brought to you by Viking Fence. When you think fences, think Viking Fence. DD Mega Doo Doo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get. They break the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh man, this doesn't suck, Rob. The Toy Hall of Fame. Toy I like this. Hall of Fame. Give it to me. Have finally added baseball cards to the Hall of Fame. Thank you very much. Oh, look, the Toy Hall of Fame didn't have baseball. I, I, I don't know. I guess I wonder technically, are they considered toys though? Oh, they Is were that my considered toys. a toy? Yeah, I, but you don't play with them. I did. You play with your baseball card? You're supposed to like keep when I was them. Four or five years old. You're supposed to keep them pristine. Well, no, I wasn't a collector though. That, yeah, well, that what, the, yes. transitions from toy. To collectors, because when I was a kid, we would, whenever I would go, I would always go with my grandpa and his blue truck down to the little food center. Oh, yeah. He'd get his uh, pack of blue ribbon and whatever else he was buying, <laughs> and I'd get a pack of baseball cards, and my brother would get them. And, nice. then, and then we would trade cards. Like, we'd go through them, and yeah. I, I, I don't want they're like, this. They're like currency we'd almost make, for We'd make kids. trades. Yeah. So that, but so that's a toy. To me, a toy is what you play with to occupy your time and have fun. So, yes, it was a huge toy. Now, I never became a big collector. I never transitioned from just loving yeah. to have baseball cards to – and that they, for me, a transition, I would put it in my bike spokes to make it sound like a motorcycle. You know, oh, yeah, see, cards. no, I wasn't doing that. No, man, my, not with my car. I, now, I got into football trading cards, and then I got into wrestling trading cards when I was younger, too. Never got into baseball trading cards yeah, well, I, or basketball. I, by 10 or 11, I was out of the card game. I just never was a, a collector. I still have mine. I don't know where the hell they are. I, I bet go they're good. I, got, I still got them. Also going in, Cabbage Patch Kids, if you're of my age, you know that was a, that was a phenomenon. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, the Cabbage Patch Kids. You mean like the – and you remember the, uh, the Garbage Pail Kids? Yes. You remember this? The yes. Garbage Pail Kids, they were like the antithesis of the Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes. And they had trading cards. They did. They had their own trading cards, and they were disgusting. My mom hated them. And do you know gross. that uh, <laughs> this has finally gone in? Another one, like baseball cards should have been in long ago. Yeah, come on, man. What are you doing? You know what's you know, just gone in? Nerf. What do you mean? Which Nerf, though? Nerf footballs? Just Nerf. Just nerf, 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 nerf. But nerf, nerf's got like a lot of different types of balls, man. I know they got they darts, got the, they got football. They got the little basketball hoop, the nerf thing. Yeah, I mean, what? So you're talking about nerf just as a brand is going in? Yeah, yeah. Uh, nerf. Okay, nerf is a toy brand. And by the way, that should have been in like 20 years ago. Agreed. Toy Hall of Fame. What year was it created? Because I yeah, gotta tell you, they're behind the out. times on this thing. Yeah, it might be the uh, like the Austin City Limits Music Hall of Fame where it's like in its seventh year, so they're yeah they're they're catching, catching up. up. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say because Toy Hall of Fame, and I wonder where it is too. I'm going to find that for you right now. Because uh, if it's close to down south, man, I might go visit the Toy Hall of Fame. Sounds fun. I got a story for you. How about this one? It's a sad story, but also kind of weird and cool and creepy. It's in Manhattan, New York. It's in uh, mm. Rochester, New York. Right oh, okay. All right. If I'm ever in Rochester, God, it New looks York. really cool. Um, well, it's a Toy Hall of Fame. I mean, even if you're a, Holy cow. you're a kid or an adult, you're going to have fun at the Toy Hall of Fame. You're going to find something. All right. That, uh, I said Manhattan because on Manhattan, Manhattan Square Drive in Rochester, New York. Okay. How about this one? Give it to me. So a, a Colorado hiker that's been that was missing since August uh, was found, unfortunately, passed away. Oh, no. In Colorado. The dog was still alive next to his body. Damn. The dog was still alive next to his body. The body of a 71-year-old Rich Moore of Pagosa Springs who had been missing since August 19th 
was found on October 30th, and his dog was found alive right by his side. Didn't leave his side. Stayed right there with him the whole time. Isn't that amazing? Dogs. We don't deserve them. Man's best friend. It's freaking awesome. Would your dog, is your dog loyal enough to stay by your side even after you die? I think my, my, dog, my girls would. They love me that much. Ty's got loyal. Ty's got a bunch of dogs. No, they, they've All stood right. by my Chelsea. side through some stuff. That's for sure. Exactly. All right. Like that. He oh, I love dogs. It. He probably went looking for help and then realized he wasn't going to find any help and made it back to, to, to owner. They said it's the third time a dog has been found alive next to a dead hiker's body since last year. It's a dog thing. Hey, cat people, your cat would eat you. All right? Take that. <laughs> Lick you to death. <laughs> all right, we'll come back. We roll on all the way to 11 o'clock. we got a lot to do. Rod will have a rant coming up. We're talking all things good, bad, and ugly from a good weekend. Cowboys fans are excited. Texans fans excited. Longhorn fans are a winner. Aggies you know, might be a, getting a new coach. That's a good thing. It's not your money. We're coming back. Hook them up with Ian Rod B.